Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all blessedly without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we have the Stone Foxes. One of the most important aspects of music is a catchy chorus, the sing-along nugget of a tune that gets into your head and you just can't get it out. But there is another element in some harder rock songs that is just as important. It's called a riff, and riffs form the cornerstone of many of rock's best-known tunes. Led Zeppelin may not have invented the riff as they are commonly known, but they perfected and trafficked in them in a manner that launched the careers of innumerable disciples. The San Francisco-based band The Stone Foxes also build their songs around cocksure bluesy riffs, but they add a bit of 21st century cross-pollinization to their brand of bluesy rock and roll. Guitars chug along bathed in spring reverb. Green Bullet Harmonica yelps out out of cranked small tube amps. Foot stomps and hand claps keep time, and choruses shouted in unison give the audience something to sing along with. They've just released a new album in February of 2013, and they're bringing their message to the people with a string of national tour dates. Welcome to Independence Day, The Stone Foxes. How are you doing, man? Hello. Hello. I'm excellent. It's great to have you guys down from San Francisco, our brethren from just up the coast. I love that town. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Well, we came down last night like at 6 o'clock. Yeah, and you made it this time of year. You got to get across the grapevine because they they think that there's no weather around Los Angeles, but we're just this one little enclave that's protected by mountains and deserts, and it's we've we've driven through snow coming over the grapevine before, yeah. and and been kind of freaked out about closures. I remember one trip down, we were kind of yeah, and we drove fast too because yeah. I was driving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, people from cities with inclement weather know how to drive in inclement weather. At least that's generally the case. Well, let me introduce everybody so we know who we're talking to here. We have a pair of brothers here, correct? Yes. We have Spence and Shannon Kaler, and you guys are on drums and guitars and vocals, respectively, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then, Shannon, you play harmonica as well. Yeah, I play harmonica. The first harmonica I ever got from this guy, I, well, I stole Spence's yeah. out, of his, uh, out of his desk drawer, and I was playing it while he and Dad were working on a project outside, and Spence didn't think I was very good, so he put it in a clamp vise. And he broke his own harmonica so that I wouldn't play it anymore. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm taking my ball and going home. Mm-hmm. It was really sweet of him. I'm breaking the ball. Yeah, and then we also have we have two. It's a four piece band. The other two members on keys and vocals. We have Elliot Peltzman. Say hello, Elliot. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hello. And then of course Mr. Aaron Mort, who's nursing uh, some kind of oh, malady. Yes. Yeah, you know, if I sound stuffed up, it's probably because. Because you are stuffed up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys, like I said, you're from San Francisco. You're, you're, you've got a lot of dates. You've got this brand new record that just just came out recently, um, and this record took you. Apparently, most of your prior records you were they were kind of garage recording yeah. process, processes, right? What took you out of the garage and into a studio? What was that decision? Uh, I think it was that we, we lost actually, our garage. Yeah, well, we yeah, we lost our garage in yeah, one, in one way. Well, uh, t- yeah, tell that the the house that we recorded. Both of those records in those first two were uh, was in this great place in the Sunset District of San Francisco, and that house got foreclosed on without us knowing. And one day we came home to a notice on our door that some company had bought it. Okay. And they flipped it and flipped us out of it. Well, and we kept getting notices, though, for a while. Like, we would get letters 
that were like for, from banks and stuff. We'd call the landlord and be like, no, no, there's no problem. No like, problem. Oh, here. don't worry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're yeah. fine. Yeah, the most worrisome word in the English language is like, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Worrisome phrase. You know, it's like, yeah. what's wrong? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the other big one. So then, yeah. So then we didn't have a garage anymore. And so, uh, but I think it was also that we really felt like we really needed to go in a studio. And we did, we did that, uh, our King B single in a studio. We did Psycho and Serious People in a studio. And we found out that that is a lot nicer than picking up yeah. dirty mattresses on the street and yeah. padding our walls. Yeah. So I've that done was that good. Too. <laughs> yeah. And you, you always think when you're a kid, like I remember being a kid, and I was like, I saw that the, somebody used eggshell crates, like the egg crates. Yeah. And I, like as a kid, I was just started to play guitar and I started stockpiling those things for forever. Like, I'm definitely going to need I'm these. I'm never going to. But that's just it. Like I, I eventually I realized I'm never, ever going to have as many as I need to cover the room. That oh, I'll right. Be in. So you like could. I, I had like 30 of them or whatever. And they only took up this one little spot. I, I worked at a snack shack that sold uh, ice cream, like soft serve ice cream, and the waffle cones come in this very oh, yeah. protective foam that, I mean, it's literally two sheets for like four waffle cones. And um, yeah, and I saved that up for a long time and padded my entire room with yeah. waffle cones. Yeah, if you, if you have a like a, a business, a commercial hookup, like if you know someone who works at a grocery store where they get all the eggs, like then you can do it, but mm-hmm. it, it just didn't work out for we me. Just, I ended up using a futon. Like every time I would go to record, I would literally take apart my bed mm-hmm. and put the futon in the closet and use We that. just watched Craigslist for about a week and drove around every night and picked up dirty, nasty mattresses yeah. and yeah. built walls out of them. If you were dedicated, Joe, you would have done it. Yeah. If that's, you, were, if you really had tenacity... Well, but that's just, that's what I'm telling you. I did have tenacity, <laughs> and I saved them up. But when I saved them all up, they only took up like four square feet of the wall. You know, by the time we I needed them, you'll so, try harder next time. Yeah, the next time around. Yeah, next time. I want to give people a listen to this. This is this brand new record. It just came out for me guys very very recently. The record is called Small Fires, and we picked this track. Everybody knows. Tell me a little bit about this track before we spin it. Well, I I had come up with some lyrics a long time ago. We we hadn't put out a new record in about two and a half years, so some of these songs go way back in there at the beginning of them. And I had these lyrics, and they weren't that great. And then uh, so I reworked them, reworked them. And um, the idea was to use the story of a telltale heart from Edgar Allan Poe as a metaphor for what's going on and uh, between the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor and sort of showing that huge gap right now, especially for our generation and what that means for us. Right. And uh, so that, those were the lyrics. The lyrics turned into that story. And then Spence was at practice, and he came up with this spooky little riff. And uh, it's that sounded really cool. Yeah. And then I put some weird harmonica on it. And then Aaron jumps back and plays drums oh, while nice. Elliot takes care of the bass on the keys. It's always a benefit when a, people in a band can do double duty because it really – you know, I remember like Radiohead would would do, yeah. do that for a while, and all these bands because it really makes the music jump in different ways in different places. You right. know, it really different brings dynamic a lot of, comes yeah. out. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. I really like it when bands do that. So let's listen to this. This is the track everybody knows. The band, I'm sorry, yeah, the band is the Stone Foxes. The song is everybody knows. Their new record, the, A Small Fires, on Independence Day.
That is some rock and roll. That's the band, the Stone Foxes. They're a San Francisco-based band. They are down here in Los Angeles out doing a string of dates. And that was the track everybody knows from their brand new record, Small Fires. And you guys, I I mentioned this in the intro, you guys traffic in riffs. Like uh, You're not like Mastodon or maybe Black (laughs) Sabbath, but there's a lot of riffs in your music. And, I mean, to me, like riff, you know, it's like an ethos almost. You know, mm. and what what does what does this mean to you guys? Like, how, what is the riff, and how, where does it come from, and how do you guys generate them? What is riff? Uh, my, my name is Spencer, and I'll I'll uh, take a stab at that one. <laughs> take the riff. Appropriately, the guitar player is going to talk about. <laughs> well, the riff. He is the riff machine. Exactly. You, well, you mentioned Led Zeppelin earlier and Black Sabbath, and those two are, I think, Danny guitar player. That those are two bands that probably cranked out the biggest riffs. That exist, I would say there there are others, but um, so and and Jimmy Page has always been my kind of n- number one inspiration in in all different ways that he played electric and acoustic and this and that. So um, a riff t- 
the way that I've always listened to music, which may not be the same to the other people, is just that lyrics kind of come second in just that the melody and the music needs to be interesting and catchy. Um, so I've always listened to riffs as like that's what the meat of a song is. And so um, that's kind of my yeah. my uh, what I set out yeah. to, to do in, in, in songwriting is throw throw interesting riffs into. How do you how do you generate a riff? Like, are you just do you, are you one of the kind of guy who like sits around playing PlayStation they always, with your guitar? The best ones come accidentally. Yeah, for sure. When you try to force stuff, it, it'll come out sound you. It's so much easier to be like, oh, that sounds like this band or that band. If you if you're coming up with something just by noodling, I think the most interesting things come out that way. Or just like pick the guitar up and play the very first thing that it yeah. is and don't mess with it and like that's yeah. that's what it the is. The seed I think that in that first initial inspiration I've always called them seeds. Like that's like the that's sure. the real gem and I I had to learn as a writer uh to record that very 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 first inspiration, the first thing I thought of because mm-hmm. if you're like me, the first thing I will want to do is like, "Oh, what if I tried it this way? And right. what if I tried it this way? And what if it was in 12/8? And what if I did this or that?" But if I and that's fine to do because sometimes what you will eventually evolve, it will evolve into is, is maybe better. But it's always good to get that very first nugget mm-hmm. of inspiration. Yeah. How do you catalog your riffs? I'm curious. We do a lot of uh, – we just have a recorder around in practice yeah. all the time. The best, and I'm not the uh, kind of – I don't sit at home hours and hours of playing. I, I play when we practice. Um, but that's hours and hours. That's true, Yeah. So we record a lot of things, and and if we don't get the first take of something, I always, you know, iPhones are amazing for musicians now that you can even just pop yeah. pop that out, turn it on at, yeah, like yeah. during a sound check or something, and just like you said, catch that first little like inspiration moment. Yeah, I used a micro cassette recorder. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to use them for your answering machine. Use them yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, Sweet. I still have one and, of those. <laughs> and uh, there's that famous story about uh, Don Felder from the Eagles had recorded something and it was the chord progression to Hotel California. They were in the studio and he couldn't remember exactly how it went. So he called his house and had his, uh, he'd recorded on something. I don't know if it was his answering <laughs> machine or whatever, but oh, yeah. he had his like housekeeper play it for him over the phone. And wow. that's how, that's how they, <laughs> they wrote that tune. But I mean, riffs, man, like it's not every music leans on riff. Like every music's got it. Every style of music's got its yeah. thing. Like funky music's got its groove. Like they've got to get their groove going, and then they build a song on yeah, that. Yeah, I see where you're going. You know, and hip hop has kind of got their their loop kind of groove thing that they rap over, right? Yeah. And then you know, rock like singer songwritery stuff has the melody, and like Amy Mann, how she pieces her melody into the chords, and how that turns around. It's like very smart songwriting. But then this riff based thing is just a whole different animal. What I think is cool. This is Shannon talking, by the way. One of the things that I think is cool is Aaron and I handle most of the lyrics. So we'll write, you know, our our different stuff and we'll come to ideas and we might have some chord structure stuff. But the best songs, I think, are when Spence might have a riff that just somehow matches or if we put lyrics to a song that's a riff. Like the next one we're going to play was something that Spence and I worked on in the garage together and Spence did all the riffs and then you have to put lyrics on top of it. And so, so, and sometimes that's really tricky because the melody's already kind of written for you, and you're kind of trapped in that melody as a lyric writer. But um, when the two marry up really nicely, then that's that's when it's the uh, yeah. That's those, when it's very very nice. Those, are be- very those nice. become more yes. rare. This is Aaron, by the way, um, and uh, matching riffs then and then putting lyrics is we used to do that a lot. Like that's how we really got started. Um, 
but it yeah i think as shannon and i started writing more it, it i think well i mean spence and shannon and i've been playing for the last seven years now so i think it's gotten easier for us to actually write like shannon and i to write down a basic song and then now spence to come to the table and it all to come together where it used to be like you just sit around and be like all right what does everybody have yeah <laughs> and you'd match things and yeah yeah which can be very difficult, you know. Things can lean very heavily in one direction. So, um, but now I, I think it's become a little bit more balanced. Probably just because you've been playing for longer. So now Spence's riffs actually, you know, mo- you know, I think probably mean something more. Yeah. You know, because it it has to have the dynamics still to it to to yeah. really be that riff that someone's yeah. like, all right, hell yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and something that we didn't realize when we went into the studio was that. Spence isn't soloing very much anymore, and when we got in there, Doug, our Doug Bone, or Doug Bame, sorry, who does, uh, he does the Vines, and he did the Girls' last record, and he did the Doctor Dog Shame Shame record. Um, when we went in there, there were so there were little gaps and everything, and he said, "Spence, just solo over that." And so I don't know. I feel like definitely there's a huge marriage between riffs and soloing but like just because the solos can become super iconic too yeah but i think we had just sort of thought oh we've been soloing in songs all the time anyway yeah but i think we thought we were soloing yeah there's a a real place for it. the thing about soloing though like you can't really build a like that's the thing like everybody's a new guitar player or keyboard player or whatever they're shredder like they start out and like they learn all these solos, but you can't build a song on it a solo. It does you no good. It doesn't. I mean, yeah. it's cool to have a nice solo, but you, there has to be a foundation upon yeah. which all this stuff is built, and yeah. that's the groove, that's the chord change, that's the riff, uh, and that's what you know. That's what people who are because people, you know, laymen, laypersons out in the ether listening to music, like you know, they may appreciate a shredding Ingve Malmsteen guitar, so they mm. might hear it, but mm-hmm. it sounds like a mosquito to them. They want to hear the chorus. And they're going to be moved by the, right. the the riff, or they're going to shake their booty to the groove, and they they need to relate to it in that regard. So that's kind of where we attach. That's where we reach the fans. The house the, that is built upon sand washeth away. Yes, and with yes. <laughs> with with that what it's with that I want to I want to hear some of this music. You guys have dragged a lot of gear out here. I like the lineup though. I love these guys have keyboards. That's one of my. My favorite things. We're not talking like. Oh, I can bring that. I'm sure you can. But the final countdown is a worthwhile key part. Yeah, we've got. You know, well, they they lifted that from a classical composer anyway. But you've got you know the the Nord Electro, which is essentially like a Hammond emulator, which is great, and a Fender Rhodes, which is great. I definitely use the Nord primarily for organ. Yeah. But what's really cool about this more recent one is that. It's got Mellotron samples in it, too, so you can get the cheesy yeah, voices. Yeah, Beatles kind of weird stuff. And yeah, and the cool flute samples, like the Stairway to Heaven type sound. Yeah, and like any true like riff rock band, you're playing it through a guitar amp, so kudos, man. It sounds fantastic. So wh- what's this song going to be, guys? What is this first track going to be that you're going to play it's for It's going to be called Kodo. It's Kodo. Uh, number four on the new record. Okay, so this is the Stone Foxes. We are getting to the bottom of what makes a riff and what makes a riff great and how you how you generate them and how you turn them into songs. And they're going to play a track. This is from the new record? Yes, sir. All right, so if you go out on the road or if you go out to see these, guy play, these guys play live, excuse me, this is probably a track you might hear them jam at the show. So this is the band, the Stone Foxes, on Independence Day.
And that is some rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen. That is Spence, Shannon, Elliot, and Aaron. They make up the band The Stone Foxes there from San Francisco. And man, that is that is like, I don't say rough-hewn rock, but that's rock that's been hewn out of a pretty good rock, I think. Hewn? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when a rock tune has that much muscle to it. Broken. Seriously. When a rock tune has that much muscle to it, you know, it's not like it was, you know, tossed off. You don't toss off a song not like that. You, you that bed. song has been hewn out of the rock that you know the same you know igneous rock that you know it's, it's, it shares a it shares lineage with Zeppelin and the it's Black like Crows and Sabbath. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, that. You. Yeah, well, I dig it. I guess is what I'm saying is I dig it. It's good to hear people doing this kind of music right now. That's like it's not metal, you know, and it's not pop, and it's not like shoegazy. It's just kind of rock. In, in its in its purest form. Well, uh, this is Shannon, by the way. I think, uh, you know, in most interviews, people ask us, like, well, I mean, in some interviews, they go, so what genre do you play? I'm just interested. And you try to think, you're like, well, we do a little soul, we do, like, some rock, we do blues. And the best thing to do is just say, we just play rock and roll. Ice skating anthems. Yeah. <laughs> Ice skating anthems. That's for your solo but, record, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't know. It's... it's um. We kind of just do whatever we feel yeah. sounds cool because we'll slow it way down too, and we'll do stuff that sounds more like the band. Yeah, and we'll do stuff that sounds like more like my morning jacket. But, um, but you know, if if it sounds cool to do a big muscle song like yeah. that, well, it's about boxing anyway. That song, yeah. so it better be like aggressive. And I I found that a lot of bands, when you ask them, you know, they're not concerned with labels; they're just making the music that they make. And you talk to a lot of bands, you're like, well, man, you know, I'm not the guy that decides what bin it goes in, not that there are actually bins anymore anyway, but there's a metaphorical bin that it would fit in in terms of a style. And it's, it's, the, it's when the music and when the commerce meets the art that everything tries to be pigeonholed or they try to pigeonhole it or try to find a way to market it. And especially with younger generations who grew up with the internet, who grew up with everything kind of being a mashup, there's not delineated lines between certain things because that's I mean I'm really a big fan of twangy rock music like Drive By Truckers right. Jayhawk Sunvolt and to me they just play rock you know they might have a pedal steel on it here or there and it might be a little twangier but it's it's still rock music they still play amps turned up loud there's but still feedback classifies it as like Americana or right. like yeah. country it's not alt, the worst country. I mean give people an idea of like the slight differences right you know like that's not the worst way to set something up I mean, it's gotten a little nuts. I mean, with all the subgenres now, you're yeah. kind of like. I mean, like grindcore. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like now Sludge we're in a like a metal. sub 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 genre world. I've got I've got a cousin who's really into like that housey type music, and there's like uh-huh. yeah. deep house and trance, and I sound like I'm sure I sound like an old guy already. But there's like 50 <laughs> subgenres below those that oh, that I can't I can never keep track. Are of. Are you saying you don't visit the club frequently? I don't. You I'm, really I'm, should. I'm just there's a lot of bumping there, and grinding that happens. That's Look, very man, nice. that's totally cool. I'm totally cool with people <laughs> bumping and grinding, and I'm totally cool with people going to clubs. I just I'd rather go to the pub than the club, man. Uh, uh, the pub over the club. Pubs yeah. over clubs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pubs before <laughs> that's clubs. Your, <laughs> that's your I'm new. T- EP title, but on that, like on the the variety of genres, I think it's really cool to be a band and and sort of just say we play what we play because you're gonna find an audience now. Where I think yeah. ten or so years ago, it was really hard. And I know at least for us, for kids like Napster, it just come out when we were old enough to jump on a computer, and so 
Like, I think it's really cool that everybody can find exactly what they want to listen to now. And so it doesn't matter really what you play, you're going to find an audience. It yeah. might be small. A, a lot of people, and including myself sometimes, talk about you know, how, the, how the, the arrival of the internet has really, it, it's sometimes a bad thing. Because it's, you know, bands aren't paid for music anymore that they were particularly paid well before anyway. But it's also provided channels through which you can hear a lot of different music and you can learn about a lot of different artists. And what I tell people, like my dad's always complaining about this. I'm like, Dad, there's actually, there's probably more fantastic music out there than ever before, but you have to work harder to find it. You just have to find that little vein of gold in the giant rock. There's much more music out there. Well, I don't know if there's any... More, but I definitely think there's more music well, out there. There yeah. just aren't I mean, labels with the out, out of there like... m- t- telling you, "Hey, you have to listen to." The, the, like it's not funneled down for you. Yeah, right. There yeah. aren't these labels that that are the only ones that are releasing music, yeah. and you you can do it yourself now. How do you guys reach your audience? Oh. Li- <laughs> have I stumped <laughs> you already? Like, well, uh, we Shannon again, by the way, and I think we've we've just been touring forever. And yeah. that was one of the first things that our manager, Joe, got for us was it was like agent first. Before uh-huh. finding a label, before doing anything else, let's get an agent and let's get out there. And so I think going it's really out and one playing of the hardest sh- things to do, I think. Yeah. It's probably harder to find a booking agent than it is a label. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so doing that like over the years, over and over and over again, has is, been huge for us. And I think... Uh, I mean, we do the online, we're on every social network and all right. that stuff. But licensing and playing shows is where you're really going to find people. Yeah, it took a while. This is Aaron, but it took a while. I think that what Shan touched on, the touring is what you can have all the social networks you want unless you're like, you know, you know, a YouTube sensation thing, you know, where yeah, but that's like that's a spark that is, yeah, just, I mean, that's like winning the lottery, you know, like right. that kind of thing. But most bands, I mean, you know, sometimes you'll have like a bigger Twitter following because people are more into that or more into Facebook or whatnot. But really, the the way we've been able to manage it and make it somewhat consistent is probably because of the touring, because that's when everybody starts talking about you. You know, at least in our case, you know, that's you know, yeah. Otherwise, it's like we can post whatever we want. People right. might think it's fun, but you know, if you're not engaging them like physically as well, yeah, that's how you really difficult. establish strong connections too. This is Elliot. Um, you meet someone at a show face to face and you get to talk with them about what kind of music they love, you know, what they liked or disliked about our show. Uh, you get to sell them something physical. It's like this really strong connection that's established when you meet a fan at a show that just watched you do what you do. Um, when you meet someone over Facebook or Twitter, it's great cause it's a number and it's a potential person that can, uh, you can get read to a one show. of our email blasts or something like that and they can come out to a show and it's a spark, you know, a, beginning of a of a relationship but it's not quite a relationship yet and i don't think they're really it's obviously runs the gamut but i don't think many people are turned into true fans until they come and meet us and yeah. get to hang out and especially with music like yours where it's like you go there's power you know the some some music is all like i said this goes back to what i was talking about before there's like the groove and then the chord change and the whatever and different things move people for different reasons but your music is so it, when you've got the amps turned up and they're buzzing and you know the cymbals and the, the the whole thing, the big toms. You're on stage. I feel like I'm talking about Spinal Tap here, but you're like you're they on stage, them, yeah, and you're and you're you're moving people. You're moving air, yeah. physically moving air, and a lot of it. 
like that grabs a hold of you and that moves you. And that's what's cool about rock. That's something that other music before that didn't really have. Yeah. Something I've, that uh, the suspense here that I've been happy to hear fans say that um, still, um, even that even now that our recording quality has gotten better by going to studios and such, that um, they still think that the, our live show is is where it's at above above the record, and uh, and I hope that it continues that way, just because yeah. seeing a live show is is. There's so many, so many more senses involved. It, it's, it's just a. You can be so much more inspired by a live show, um, yeah. than if you had heard the same music on a record. And but that's I, that's oh. the real part. That's the real part of music. And you can sit in your, you know, with your earbuds and on the subway, or you can sit in your bedroom with your speakers, or even your living room, whatever. Um, everything's so digitized now, and it's piped everywhere all the time. You're at the gas station, and there's. You know, Sarah Palin, I remember, was on the thing at the gas station one oh time. Mm -hmm. And it was driving me like everywhere. Everything's ubiquitous. She's you, frightening. You go to a show, it's an active step. You've taken an active step. You've bought a ticket. You've parked in the rain. You've done whatever. And then, then it becomes this communal thing. Yeah. yeah. But what's cool about the new record, though, is that we shot we, – we tried to get Doug to really capture – Talking about producer Doug Bame? Yes, yeah, sorry. Doug Our producer Bame. Doug Bame, yes. To, um, he did a few mixes, and we sort of said, hey, can, let's try to make this sound like we're all in the same room. And so I think this time we really got a good a good feel, or people can get a better feel of what it's really like to yeah. see us live. And I think we did a much better job with this record than we did our previous. Yeah, let's there, there are funny things, like on so much better at the very beginning, there's a gap, and you can hear Spence actually clicking his... Yeah. you know his stomp box and it's yeah. you know so there are those like funny little things that yeah. we were able to capture that's not just an overdub like it's cuz we were all playing in the same room you yeah. know so it's like the it's like the radiohead thing when uh, Johnny Greenwood hits that on, on creep mm -hmm. yeah. he, the, he he was just testing out his guitar tone he didn't think that they would keep that in the track that jig jig oh, you that know right? what I'm talking about oh i didn't oh, know that he just went jig jig he though. was yeah. yeah and he was just getting ready like okay it's just checking my tone jig jig and he did it again kind of in rhythm mm. kind of syncopated and then when they went to mix it back but they were like oh man we, that's wow. we got to keep that's that and, lucky. and now that's that's the happy accident of recording you know it's, yeah, it's such exactly. a diff, you know it, and it's so cool when a band you know you guys did a good job of capturing capturing your kind of groove live mm -hmm. experience on the record. I think it's really cool. So can we hear another tune? Sure. I want to get a few more tunes in before we run out of time. What's this one going to be? Aaron, which would you like to play? <clears throat> uh, we can do, uh, if we want to do some riffy stuff, let's do Jump in the Water. Okay. All right. All right. So this is the, this is the Stone Foxes on Independence Day. You can learn everything you need to know about them at thestonefoxes.com. They're also on the Facebook. You can pretty much find them anywhere on the interwebs if you look up The Stone Foxes. They're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. they got their own website, that kind of thing. They've got some other older albums which you can pick up as well, and I, I hope you do. Uh, buying live music is a good way to guarantee that these guys keep being able to do what they do. So this is The Stone Foxes on Independence Day. Yeah. 
Once again, some class A booty shaking, uh, ear bleeding rock and roll from the Stone Foxes. They're down from San Francisco. Big fans of these guys. You can learn about them at thestonefoxes.com. And if you want to learn about us and anything we do here on Independence Day, please drop by indepday.com, I N D E P D A Y.com, where this show and every one of our episodes will be archived that you can listen to aboard at work. Need something to kill some time? Please stop by. We've had some really, really amazing musicians, and I'm, ha- I'm glad to add the Stone Foxes to those ranks. So one thing that's unique about you guys, we've got a set of brothers in this band. And this is the song. I want to address this question to uh, Elliot and Mort. I mean, you're dealing with two guys who aren't the brothers. <laughs> yes. Like, what's it like for you two to be in a band with brothers? I've, I've got to jump in here. This is Elliot. Just hilarious. That's like... <laughs> the perfect way to describe it. What's amazing about Spence and Shannon, uh, even outside of music, is that they are the quintessential archetypes of older and younger brother. Like, it's so amazing to watch. My favorite is um, watching, wa- watching all of us make decisions. Shannon likes to, you know, if you can imagine, like, little five-year-old he Shannon and little, like, like, little seven-year-old oh. Spence. Shannon always looks up at Spence before he makes any decision, like answers any question, like, "Is it all right, Big Brother? Like, which, can I wait, answer?" Wait, which one this? is older? Spence is okay. Like you can imagine him tugging on his shirt a little bit. Like I don't know, it's it's really fun. And really? Aaron, how about you? Did I call you Mort a second ago? It's very possible. That's yeah, what everybody Spence, calls yeah, him, and that's that's that. a cool. I mean, that's kind of cool in a way. When the so, Warriors were in the playoffs, and Aaron would come in late to watch the basketball games, yeah. we'd all chant, "Mort." Mart, Mart, <laughs> well, Mart. I, I apologize if I called you by your uh, last name. I no, mean, it's you, fine. It happens all the time. So, what's what's your perception of <clears throat> being in a band with brothers? I, I don't know. I've known them long enough now, where it's like, I think we just all annoy each other. Like we're all brothers now. Yeah. You know. Um. But, you know, it's definitely. I mean, Elliot pointed out a lot of you know funny, quirky little things that they're not like. Uh, 
you know, the Oasis brothers or like the Black Crows brothers, you know, they're not like... Or Ray and Dave Davies. Yeah, you know, like where they're just fighting all the time and it's chaos and, uh, you know, it's it's more like, I would say like more sweet things happen. You know, it's yeah. like if you looked at like pictures of puppy dogs all day, that's like what hanging out with the Kaler brothers is like. Yeah. They just, they're sweet to each other and it's really weird. <laughs> but uh, in, in, a, in a way, because then when they get in a, like there is a little tiff or like a little riff that happens. They like, they find like the cutest ways to like, you know. You yeah, know, they're in their mend, mid 20s and they mend live their together. relations. That says oh, yeah? something right there. Yeah. Look. We're best friends, and I think Spence is just the most wonderful person yeah. on the planet. <laughs> yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, no, I mean, they're, they're, they're like any brothers I've met, but they're they're definitely very understanding with each other. Yeah. You know, that's that's you know they uh, they still live with each other. I mean, that's yeah. a testament well, to that's, being on the road all the time and still living yeah, with each definitely. other. Definitely. I mean, well, so. that's there is no pressure cooker like a band, like yeah. a band van. Yeah. You know the Econoline. Uh, therapy when you get up you're on like some interstate in utah you know and it's 3 a.m and someone's been eating pork rinds all day salt lake and, city to yeah. reno yeah, yeah like you really find out the, like the, the phrase of people's like psyches when you get out on the road like that you get weird out there and you know and br- there's a rich tradition of of like brothers in music you've got your van halen brothers you've got the yeah. davies brothers the fogarty brothers uh, oh, that's right. they that's go, okay. you know, they go, it's, it's a rich, and it, it brings a different thing to the music because they have a connection that's yeah, exists well, on many different levels. Well, the other day we were been working on uh, the song called battles, blades and bones from the new record. And it's a very different piece to try to perform live. And Shannon does all the background vocals on it because when we, and we were tracking in the studio, it just didn't sound ton- like tonally to have another voice other than his it just didn't work and so you know elliot and i were messing around with it because we're usually more heavy on the back of vocals and then we're like well let's maybe have spence do it and it's just funny how it just sits in there you know like yeah. it's just the the way they sync you know like in certain ways and and the way they play together i mean they could get in a room together and you know just they have yeah. their thing you know it's like it's just a, it's it's a connection that i i can play with them and know how to play together with them. But they, they're like on that telepathic level, you know, yeah. where it's just it makes sense. You know, they can communicate. Yeah. In and a you, way. you don't have to share a DNA with someone to have that connection. I mean, it comes no. over time. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've been very lucky. I've had two different guitar players who were fantastic. And I remember, uh, especially the first of these two, like I could go play a gig with just him anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he might have never heard the song before. But yeah. we played together so long and so well that I could just go somewhere and he would just go with me. And yeah, yeah. there was never a question. Like, after a while, like, I didn't even think about it anymore. I didn't even worry about it. It's like, hey, Mike, the song's in D. You know, watch out for the bridge. It's got a major two in it, and let's go. Yeah. And one, two, three, and off we'd go. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's a beautiful thing about music is connecting yeah. with, you know, the people who you're playing. And that's, man, I, I always like playing in a band more than solo shows. Yeah. Because I like that camaraderie. Well, and what's weird is, like, Spence taught me how to drum because Spence played guitar and we grew up in the middle of nowhere, so either I played some sort of musical instrument with him, or I hung out by myself, like in the forest somewhere. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lonely life. And so since uh, <laughs> so I I started playing drums, and Spence would say, "No, do it like this." And so he'd kick me off, and that's the worst feeling on the planet. Yeah, but I'm really curious. But how, that's how it how was. Much better of a drummer Spence was back in the oh, day. Oh, way better. Because he well, knows, what's that riff? You know, like give it 
to me, baby. I can do that offspring. <laughs> yeah, the, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. The well, that's the only thing he knows. You know, that's, that's curious. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't sit on the drums now. But now he sucks compared yeah. to my genius. Of course. Holy crap. The, the, yeah. Let me, uh, this is Spence here. Let me just throw my little brother piece in. That, oh. That, that it's, we've, we've been really so, so lucky to, uh, to actually like each other in, in all of this. Because uh, I don't know how we would be doing any of this if we hated each other. I don't know how brothers can play that, that don't like each other. This uh, Every- Growing up in, in, in an area where we didn't have friends nearby to go hang out with, we had to like each other. And I think yeah. that just music just let us, gave us something to do together. And um, we're lucky to... Enjoy each other's company. Yeah, the, 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 to touch on the Van Halen brothers again, that's how they started. Eddie was first on drums. I don't know that Alex huh. was playing guitar, but then they kind of switched, and it, it worked out pretty well for them, I think. Uh, <laughs> Especially see, for I Eddie. I wouldn't be pissed yeah. off in like the Fogarty brothers' sense, because like, oh, yeah. you know, like, his brother was the lead guy in the band, and then John gets there and is like, oh, wait, I just have like a crap ton of hits in my belt and yeah. kicked that guy off. You know, now he's since, playing rhythm guitar and looking. Since and you've look- got CCR uh, at the at the four, um, but going back to to riffs and solos, I growing up, I always thought that, that Fogarty had some of the most simple and like perfect noted solos where like he's not shredding up he's not going as fast as jimmy page he's not like wailing like hendrix but he um but his solos they accomplish everything that you would want him to and and he he the way he does things just with like kind of like the uh the efficiency of of motion or whatever you know where he has an incredibly grounded sound about everything he does like just, just every every grounded. every lick is perfectly yeah. placed and and does like exactly what you yeah. want. It to the do. guy the guy's an icon, you know, yeah. for a reason. I mean, in in some ways it was easier back then because you're inventing a style. You know, when you're when you're Bill Monroe and you're inventing bluegrass, you make up all the parameters of that style. Sure. Or when you're John Fogerty and you're, I've got this opinion. My other my friend Tyler and I always say that CCR is the, the greatest American band because. Oh, there and we could sit with a pitcher of beer and talk about it all night, but like not my favorite, you know, not the most accomplished, maybe not the most with the most sales, but they might be the greatest, most iconic American rock and roll band. They're one of the most mm. consistent. I mean, and to, and to do that all in like two and a half years, to release yeah. like five or six records or something like that, they were all Dude, great. You know, and this I is mean, a and this is a time when we were being literally invaded by British bands, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who. Yeah. Uh, so they existed in that in that era and did their thing. Like I said, just like the, the other ones did. I was looking yeah. back at Zeppelin the other day. A Zeppelin song came on the radio, and I was talking to my girlfriend. What? Well, what you know? What year did that song come out? And I looked it up, and I was thinking it was like seventy five. But they did their first four albums between like sixty nine and seventy two mm-hmm. or seventy one. It was like, oh my god! And Black Sabbath was before them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what's trippy. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of lineage there. How about another tune? I don't want to run out of time before we get another jam in here with you guys. Sure. Uh, is this is this going to be another tune from the new record? Yeah. Spenny, why don't you do this one? Oh yes, yes. Um, this song's <laughs> oh uh, yes. This song is called Ulysses Jones. Okay, so all right, Thanks. this is uh, the Stone Foxes with a track from their brand new record. The record is called Small Fires, and this is a track called Ulysses Jones. <laughs> I got blood like 
strong as steel that sees my hope. Now I'm all alone, getting taken by a handshake deal. Kick my pride till I taste the blood, but it only made my fire burn. doesn't make you move your rear end or put your devil horns up i don't know what will that is the band the stone foxes i dig that man i wish more bands did that kind of stuff because that's just like like i said this before it's like good old-fashioned honest american riff rock and roll i don't need we don't need labels it's just it's just it's just badass is what it is makes me want to have right. sex with somebody <laughs> Watch out! Yeah, exactly. Or so if anybody drinks like the other room, just give it a show. That was yeah. Shannon speaking. Yeah, we're, well, we're almost out of time. I'm, I, re- I mean, I could talk to you guys all day. I could listen to you guys play these tunes all day. I mean, you've got tour dates coming up. Um, it's you guys are road dogs, which is such a fun thing to do. Like I, I love being on the road doing that kind of stuff. Like the women towns. love it. Yeah, <laughs> you mean your girlfriends at home or the women on the road? Oh no, the women at home. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Uh, but I just one quick question. Uh, 
guess you know there's a little bit of jam mixed in there. Oh, you know, with what you we're do, from San Francisco. Just just a tie for from San Francisco, and that's uh, this is cool. But yeah. the question is actually not about jamming. Do you make set lists? Are you the type of band that makes set lists for shows, yeah. or you just kind of go and make them? About I get lists. yeah, I get OCD about set. Yeah, lists. He, uh, if you make a correction, he cries. <laughs> we we booked uh, our first headlining slot at the Fillmore in May, and I'm sure he already has a set list uh, planned for it. Uh, no, but I've been yeah, thinking you do. about it. Yeah, you do. I don't. Well, you've been I, worrying about it overnight. Just a couple like, notes on the back do you, of his palm. Once they're once they're written, like how flexible are they? Like if the if, if something's Depends something's going on one way or another. I am on that day. I don't know. You're the setlist Nazi. No, they they are a little bit. The pro, the thing was like we sort of found this niche that we've been in, and we're starting to mix it up a little bit because you know different people see you different places, and you find what works in different parts of the set. So now we're sort of evolving that a little bit. We're going to try a couple of different things here, and uh, I think it'll be cool. But, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you find a place that things sit nicely, and you move things here and there. Yeah, I, I often forget, and this is Elliot speaking, that uh, whenever you get up on stage, it is a production. And as much as you want to come off as, like, casual and endearing and all that, you are designing people's experience. You're entertaining for a somebody. Of time. Yeah, like you. So almost, Shannon's really good at remembering yeah. that. At remembering, you know, you need to start with this and get that way. And I'm always like, they're gonna like every song regardless of what order it's in. Yeah. I mean, sorry, they're gonna like the songs they like regardless yeah. of which order they're it's in. They're gonna like it all. They're gonna yeah. like well, it all. Well, but and some of that comes from playing <laughs> sets where you go, oh, right, that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And we've, so we definitely got to the point now where we've traveled enough where you don't want to give the towns you're going back to the same show. Yeah. You know, so now we have to really think about, especially with the new record coming out or being out, um, you know, it. you've got new material. We've, we've got three albums now. We've got a couple singles. And so there's a lot to pull from now. Right. So it's not like you just have the one record and you're touring for two years off that and you're playing the same set, maybe learning a cover or two. Now you can actually like really change those dynamics and see, you know, really play around, which is yeah. going to be fun for us because you do. You get stuck in the playing the same thing night and night, and you're yeah. get a little tedious. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. It's, it's a living. That's you know, music is my thing. It's it's a living, breathing art form that changes every time you play it. You might play the same song and you think you're playing it the same exact way, but it's always going to be a little bit different. And I think it's great when bands go with that. So keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks very it's, much. It's, thanks for thanks having us. Thanks, Joe. It's fantastic. You guys have got upcoming gigs here. You're all over the place. I love talking to road bands too. We never. I always like to ask, like, who has the best taste in the van music? Just real quick, who who, who in the band thinks has the best taste in van music? Everyone raises their hands with me. I believe Is that how it Shannon with his. Michael McDonald and Johnny Cash. Yeah. Well, well, let's just say that Shannon is the the most frustrating van DJ. He DJs from YouTube, which okay. kills yeah. me. Oh, just because I don't have all the nice little apps that you, you have, guys yeah. have. Oh, you mean, oh. guess what? You guess mean what? I like Peter Paul and on Mary. Your you yeah. have everything available to you that is available to us. Yeah. I like Rafi. You DJ yeah. from YouTube. The radio. The radio can be a friend. Like I love. I do the drive from San Francisco to LA several times a year, and I love. I don't even put my iPod anymore. I just I just turn the radio on and just scroll. 
It's usually Texas dark is a good and it's place born. for Texas that, too, is good to, for to, that. to get like, some yeah. good, like, evangelical. Yeah, there's, there's we really stocked up on, on podcasts, too. So I've, I've Radio got my, Lab. I've got That's my uh, yeah. MP3 player stock full of podcasts. There are no shortage of, of options for entertainment in the van. I mean, imagine what Books it was like tape? in 1977. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but we're just about out of time. Gentlemen, like I said, we've got dates all up and down the coast, all across the United States. I mean, if you live in New York, if you live in Massachusetts, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Cincinnati, you know, their hometown of San Francisco, Vegas, down here in L.A., Texas, if you want to see these guys, there's a chance they're coming to a town near you. So look them up on thestonefoxes.com. Uh, so Spence, Shannon, Elliot, Aaron, thank you guys so very much. Yeah, thanks for thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. We do appreciate it. it. So thanks to the Stone Foxes and the road manager and sound engineer, Brian Adler. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski. And as always, to the inimitable Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society for Independence Day. As always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. <laughs>